Okay, we are live in the Chiropractic Freedom Show, and uh, today we are extremely blessed and pleased to have invited uh, Dr. Robert Prather from uh, Indianapolis. Um, and Dr. Prather, I want to thank you for your time. I know you're a very busy man, um, but in case you haven't uh, watched or listened to any of our interviews before, but most of you will know that our, our, the vision for the Chiropractic Freedom Project is to help elite chiropractors expand their contribution, their impact, and their legacy by helping them go online with online coaching or online consulting businesses. And once a month, we bring on someone that we believe is a visionary in the profession who is, who is taking chiropractic and expanding its impact beyond what most people would deem normal. And Dr. Prather is definitely one of those individuals. I've been wanting to speak to him on this show for quite some time. Um, he runs a very big practice, a very successful, profitable practice. It is a family practice. His son is very involved. His uh, wife is very involved. And what I noticed immediately when um, uh, communicating with Dr. Prather is the practice is run like a real business. You can see it's extremely professional the way it's run. Um, and I think, you know, we may go down that route uh, when we speak to Dr. Prather today. He brings in um, principles of functional medicine. So we're going to go into detail there um, and uh, we'll talk about how he's doing things that are using modern technology, which is still in alignment with the traditional chiropractic philosophy. So Dr. Prather, so much, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Um, and why don't we just start with you giving us a little bit of your backstory. Tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to, to be where you are today. Well, um, I actually got involved in chiropractic for my own health. So I had developed Graves' disease at a young age, uh, actually from a vaccination. Uh, quite an interesting story on that. Uh, uh, that would take too long to kind of go into, but uh, I had an immediate reaction. Uh, I had uh, a streak of gray hair on the day after I got my vaccination, which I thought was pretty cool at the time, but you know, when you're 14, uh, weird things seem kind of cool. Uh, and uh, then I was, uh, I was a freshman in high school, I weighed about 175 pounds, very athletic, uh, was doing quite a few things, and very soon I dropped down to 145 pounds. Uh, I actually was uh, not functioning at the level that I normally was. I was a straight-A student, uh, athlete, and all those things started to fall apart. And it took a while to uh, get people to take uh, my condition seriously and to start to checking. And they found out that I had a Graves' disease, which is an autoimmune disease of the thyroid uh, that uh, is, uh, was causing a, a tremendous amount of havoc with my health. Uh, it also affected my parathyroid gland, which actually changed the uh, mineral levels of my body. And I was actually calcifying my lungs and my arteries. So uh, I was in a, uh, found out that uh, about four years later that I was in a lot of trouble. And I, I looked up the medical treatments and what the results would be, uh, where they basically killed my thyroid and I was dependent upon thyroid medication. I didn't like what I saw and I said, uh, I'm gonna try to do this naturally. So started to go around to uh, different chiropractors. My grandfather was a chiropractor, uh, very instrumental in, in preserving chiropractic in Illinois. Uh, he was head of the uh, group that actually fought for the legalization of chiropractic. So I have a history along those lines. 
and uh, found a chiropractor who uh, gave me a specific upper cervical adjustment, felt immediate difference. And uh, within a short amount of time, I actually, uh, in college, hadn't grown since my freshman year, I actually grew an inch and went from 145 pounds up to 200 pounds. Uh, in, uh, and uh, really had my life back and said, this is what I want to do with my life. So I started to look around at uh, what is the best chiropractors out there. I asked a lot of chiropractors, uh, I said, what's the most difficult uh, adjustment? What's the most important adjustment to do? And they said, the atlas. And I said, what's the most difficult? And they said, the atlas. And I said, who's the best at it? And uh, one of the people who came up was Dr. Roy Sweat, who uh, was my mentor. Uh, inventor of the Atlas Orthogonal System. Mm. And so I went down to Life Chiropractic College and started, even before I started school, I started interning with him and interned with him through the entire years that I was going through school, which also exposed me to a lot of other chiropractors. Uh, a lot of the uh, gentlemen who were the, the best chiropractors in the world uh, came in to get their Atlas set. So I had a huge exposure to uh, other chiropractic techniques, uh, started to get trained in, in several of them, uh, the Thompson. Uh, I took uh, Logan Basic with Dr. Webster. Uh, in other words, I went to uh, probably the best of the best of the trainers and started to learn from them. Uh, one of the things as soon as I got out, uh, as I started my chiropractic and uh, felt that I was very good at the chiropractic, but there were still some illnesses that people had. And I said, uh, and I was helping them out and, and I said, well, really you need to go to a specialist in this, not come to me. And they said, well, you're helping me more than anybody else. And I said, well, I've got to learn my diagnostics a lot better. So I got with Dr. Cessna uh, with the Diplomat American Board of Chiropractic Internists and took the whole functional training I uh, did that within a year of when I got out and uh, got that underneath my belt and uh, really started to combine uh, both the structure and function care in my office and uh, saw how they were very interrelated. I uh, went on uh, also then and got my uh, acupuncture license. So I got that also and then uh, started to develop the whole practice. and. Uh, Basically, it was all just passion. Uh, I was kind of young and uh, ready to go and, and uh, do it. Uh, it was like uh, when I was in with Dr. Sweat, uh, we had one of the uh, top guys in chiropractic. And uh, Dr. Sweat, we were looking at the x-rays and uh, uh, we were talking that he wasn't really holding as he should. You know, what do we need to do? And I, I said, well, what about this? And Dr. Sweat says, that's great. You're going to adjust him next. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to do what? He says, no, that's a great idea. Let's see how it works. And uh, so he kind of pushed me into it. Uh, I did the adjustment, and uh, it worked like a charm, uh, which was fantastic. And he said, great, you know. Uh, it was also like Dr. Dr. Cessna when I was doing the blood work. Uh, we had the first training along those lines. And I said, well, you know, I met with him at lunch and I said, Dr. Sessa, when am I supposed to start doing this blood work? You know, when am I ready? 
you said Monday. <laughs> <laughs> and I sat there and I said, I'm not ready. Uh, you know, I have, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he says, you won't unless you do it. That's it. So, uh, you know, that's one of the, the, the biggest things that I saw that really held people back, you know, on, on what they're, they're, they're supposed to do is you're just supposed, if, if it's something that you're passionate about, that you feel confident in, you know, that, that, that this is the best thing for the, for the person is you just start doing it. You don't wait until you're an expert because the only way you become an expert is by doing. That's it. And it, you know, as I was taking all the different courses, uh, so many times, 90% of the people didn't ever take the first step. Yeah. And I think that's really where the failure uh, takes place is you don't take that first step and keep going. And uh, that was one of the things that all the uh, greats that I saw yeah. is they just did it. They didn't think about it. They did it. And then with the doing, you become an expert. Absolutely. I mean, that is honestly uh, one of my fundamental beliefs. Um, and in fact, I even posted something on, on social media yesterday or the day before. And I, I said, successful people make decisions and take action quickly. You know, before yes. fear sets in, because we all get fear, we all get doubts. Every human is part of being a human being, but successful people have trained themselves to take the action before that fear overwhelms them, and that is why they are successful. Um, and you know, what you to your point there about doing, you may have heard this because Tony Robbins tells a story quite a bit where he wanted to be one of the best speakers in the world. Mm -hmm. So he said, you know, how many speeches should I do to get to a point where um, I could be the best speaker in the world? They said, oh, well, if you do two a month, it'll probably take you, you know, five years. So he did the math and it was like, okay, two a month, five years, you know, it's a couple of hundred uh, talks. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do one every single day. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> um, and, he, and he did that and he became a world-class speaker in, in a matter of months by learning when doing. Yes. You know, and uh, and you can see, you know, it's the stuff is not rocket science. When if I speak to people like yourself, the same message comes through. It's just that we don't, as as other people, we don't take that in. Um, so I was actually going to ask you the, the next question was going to be, what would be the one piece of advice? I mean, you you've been in in this profession for so long now, but if you had to start again, you know, what would be the one piece of advice you wish you got? But I'm assuming that is it. Is That's you know, that is it. You know, just. Do it and then the other thing you mentioned talk a little bit about persistence and resilience because again you know we're both um a coach and consult and um what we i sometimes see with with doctors is that there is that issue with starting and then some doctors start they they push through that fear and then they along the journey and they hit an obstacle and then it's with those obstacles that they start to trace back towards their comfort zone. So what has your experience been in, in resilience and in persistence? And maybe give us an example of a time where things didn't go your way, oh. but you, 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 you were persistent and, and, and what you learned from that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there are so many times that things don't go my way. I think one of the biggest things is passion. You know, you, you have to develop your passion for what you're doing because the passion then uh, results in persistence. So things don't always go right as you're trying to do everything. And oftentimes as I would get into a, uh, 
a new area of practice. It caused my attention to kind of wander over in that area. So, you know, there were, uh, you know, uh, financial things that kind of occur because of the extra costs that you're trying to actually implement something. Uh, you know, it's also taking away your attention from other things. So one of the biggest things is, well, I can't add that because it, it, you know, as soon as I do that, other things sort of drop, you know, so that's one of the biggest, biggest areas that I see that's a problem for people to uh, move forward on what they're actually going for. And uh, trying to keep your passion in all the different types of areas. So keeping my passion for my adjustments, you know, was one of the things as I was getting into the, uh, to the functional medicine right away is that I, I, I kept track of all my numbers, okay, on a weekly basis, okay? That's absolutely critical. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's a little bit of a problem. So I had to get my passion back for that and keep my other passion to keep them uh, going. And then eventually what I did was I got associates who just did the chiropractic. Well, I developed the other area. Mm. So I was able to find help. And that's one of the biggest things is you, as you're going forward and as you're expanding, you can't do it all. Yeah. You have to get people to be on board with you to help you. Uh, this practice does not, uh, in, in a matter of fact, uh, we, we changed the name. We used to have it as the, uh, the Braither uh, practice. And uh, now it's holistic integration. Why? Because we've got quite a few providers here. We don't have just me. And uh, kind of reflecting that. So you, you need to have uh, your mission. I am not quite sure if are you familiar with the uh, Bakwa or the magic circle? No. That is a sort of like uh, a uh, a thing that I utilize within my my practice and thinking about things and it's eight steps along those lines. And one of them uh, one of the first ones is know what your mission is. Hmm. Know what the will of heaven is for you. You know, and I saw that really the will of heaven was for me to be a healer and to try to introduce a system of healthcare that could meet the needs. And that's my passion and my purpose. Okay. Then I had to have different types of disciplines to actually be able to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. I needed to work to actually be able to become better at those things. But the third thing is you can't do it alone. You need to find help because no one is an is is the all to guy and you need to have other people. There's eight different steps along those lines. I look at everything that I do along those along that pattern. Uh, matter of fact, one thing I have is the eight pillars of perfect health and I pattern it on that. I really pattern so much of my life and uh, my organization according to that to get to where I need to be. So finding people that help you to get where you need to go because no one makes it on their own. Who are going to be your mentors? Who are going to be the people who you associate with that keep your energy up? Hmm. Who are the people who are going to be working for you, getting those high quality people up to par? People are very important. 
and I would not have been able to achieve what I, I, I would have been able to achieve nothing without all the help that I've gotten. So help is a, is a huge type of thing that uh, we all need to have. And that's one of the things that kind of kept me keep, uh, mm. keeping on going. What is it that we're doing? Keeping close track. That's where the discipline comes in. You know, are you really tracking how your, how your numbers are doing? Uh, because numbers tell the truth. You can fool yourself <laughs> an awful lot, but numbers never lie. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, and the perfect example of that is you still have mentors today. I mean, we met through uh, Mark Sanner, who, Absolutely. again, for me, is one of the greatest human beings in our profession, you know, I must say. And, and you're still going to, um, you know, my, uh, masterminds with guys like Mark. And, and you met me because of what we do and the expertise we have. So you, you still are asking for help and, and, and working with people even at this stage of your profession. Huge, huge. I, I, I read a tremendous amount. Uh, I look to different types of people for uh, different educational. Uh, there's a few original things that I came up with, but most of it was things that people have given me. And that's, that's one of the things that I also try to do with others. Uh, you know, if there's any new chiropractor that's opening up in the area, uh, they need any help in any type of way. Uh, that's one of the things I'm here for. You know, uh, give them advice. Uh, I, I, I've helped save several, several young practices yeah. by kind of uh, just talking to them, having them come in for lunch and then saying, hey, you know, you need to find a different strategy. This strategy isn't working for you. Sure. Let's let's find what works for you. And, you know, that's again, a, a common theme of when I speak to people like you is this abundant mindset and this um you know this coming from a place of service and overflowing with with whatever it is and and your um you your ability and your your um, inclination to to spread it without anything in return um but what i'd, li I'd like to just switch directions slightly talking a bit about what you're offering in the practice because sure. i think this is, is very very interesting in what you're doing and when i was in practice i had a, i think a similar thought process to you so the way i went is i was a james chestnut disciple you know the eat well move well think well and i integrated that within my, my private practice and you know if you you talk about primary care somebody's not well and they go to a primary care practitioner most of the medical doctors i've spoken to will tell you tell will be very honest with this and say when it comes to emergencies when it comes to things like that i'm fantastic but when it comes to chronic illness we actually are not doing such a great job um, i've spoken in front of a hundred medical doctors before and I said that, and not one of them disagreed with me. So it's not uh, it's not controversial. But the question is, then where do people go? Because if they're not going to their medical doctor, if they're not going to the specialist or the super specialist or the super, super, super specialist, where do they go? And many chiropractors will say, well, then they should find themselves in a chiropractic office. However, there is there are... There is expertise and services missing from many chiropractic practices. And from what it sounds like with your journey is you have integrated a level of service which could be the replacement for the current primary care, which is medical. Now, am I correct in assuming that? Absolutely. So uh, our philosophy is that 80% of all care should be structure function care. 20% exactly. should be a disease care model. And the disease care uh, 
just to understand that, is a set of symptoms, and pharmaceutical surgeries are to deal with the symptomatology and to get the emergencies under control. Uh, very important, uh, we have a medical director uh, in our office who uh, determines on who goes out, who's referred out, and who's not. Awesome. So we have them actually look at those things, say, hey, do they need a cardiologist? Uh, we refer quite a bit. We find cancer on a lot of patients. Uh, so uh, we uh, have oncologists that we refer to. Uh, so that we don't deny the need for the disease care, but what's missing so much is our structure function care. The FDA, if you bring something to them, whether it's a product or a service, they have two different modes of the pathways that they put it into, either structure function or disease care. Hmm. And the FDA actually did a, a, a year study on my practice, which is wow. interesting, uh, where they actually looked at everything. And uh, they're the ones who sit there and say, I had never heard of structure function care before. Uh, they're actually the ones who sit there and say, you practice structure function care. Hmm. And I said, what's that? And they said, well, that is where you help the body to achieve homeostasis, which is balance structurally, which is what chiropractors are mainly involved in. And then also functionally, the physiology of the body. This is coming from the FDA. They say that. FDA, that's their, that's their rules. So they have two different categories. You bring some service, you bring some product. Uh, they will classify it either in structure function care or in disease care. Mm. And then they have a different pathway for both of those to be approved. So they're very aware of the differences on that. Now, what they don't like is for structure function care to claim that they cure diseases. Yeah. Because diseases are symptoms, and the only way that the FDA al allows diseases to be treated is through pharmaceuticals or surgeries. That's it. Not through structure function care. So when people have cancer, uh, when people have uh, cardiovascular disease or uh, MS or anything, I say, I am not treating your disease. I am going to make your health you healthier because I'm going to bring you more into homeostasis and then we'll see what happens to your symptoms. But there is also a place for pharmaceuticals. The only problem that we have with pharmaceuticals is there's too many of them. There's too many people on them. Yeah, for sure. You know, really 85%, 15% of all the pharmaceuticals are actually correct. 85% of it really should be cut back, which doesn't please the pharmaceutical companies to say that, mm. but we are an overprescribed population. Uh, they did a study, uh, uh, it's called the Primary Care Study in Chicago, that was put together by the Blue Cross Blue Shield HMO, uh, and they were in the Chicago area, and they had 60,000 people in, in the uh, HMO. They divided them up in between structure function care as primary care or uh, regular allopathic uh, disease care. And what they found over a 10 year period is that there was a 60% improvement in costs. So the structure function care cut down 60% on the costs of the healthcare. And there was an 85% improvement in outcomes. 
less surgeries, less uh, hospitalizations, less deaths, all those types of things. So here in America, we have a crisis uh, in healthcare where really the medical system is unsustainable. The yeah. cost of it is just is terrible. Out of 35 industrial countries, America, which has the best disease care, ranks 35th on outcome. Why? Because we are asking disease care to do what it was never meant to do. What we need to do is get the primary care structure function, and then they refer to the specialist, which is really where disease care comes into, into uh, benefit. Matter of fact, uh, in the study, they did a, uh, a uh, report on the specialists, cardiologists, oncologists, gastroenterologists, who are the specialists that both groups referred to. And they said, well, rate the two groups uh, according to your approval rating. And they gave the, uh, uh, their medical counterparts, the allopathic uh, disease-oriented primary care, a 40% rating. They gave the, uh, the structure function chiropractors primary care a 98% yeah. approval rating. And they said, what? You know, they didn't, they expected that things would be better because the patients gave them a, the chiropractors a 90% approval rating and a 60% for the medical doctors. But it was even stronger among the specialists. And they said, well, why would you do that? They said, we're spending 85% of our time dealing with problems from this group where we're getting so much better results with this one. So they're making us look a lot better. We're actually doing so much better. I had uh, a cardiologist, uh, a gentleman with heart problems, uh, needed to be on uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, but nothing was working right. Uh, we got him on some supplements that the pharmaceuticals actually were, were destroying and everything balanced out. And the cardiologist called me up and said, thank you. This was such a headache. We didn't know what to do. And you solved our problem for us. You know, and that's the kind of relationship that we should be going to. That's why we have holistic, which actually talks about the structure function care. Integration. We need to, it doesn't do us any good to be isolated and all to ourselves where we're yeah. just doing our own thing. We need to be able to integrate into the whole system to make the whole system better. We have an answer. They have answers. We, if we can put them together, we can actually have something that's going to be sustainable, workable, and actually effective. So, you know, and what's the reason why I'm so surprised that you mentioned that you know the FDA even you know splits it in that is that so what's happening now is if you speak to a group of 100 doctors and you tell them exactly what you just said, 98 of them are going to completely agree with that. You've also got the FDA that already splits it into structure and function and disease care. But yet, day to day, when somebody is ill, they are not being told that. Um, and they are not going down that journey. Most of them are ending up in uh, the medical system and going that route. So it's, it's like both sides agree to what the solution is. It's just, you know, not happening day to day, which... Uh, the you know, problem is, is definitely the pharmaceutical companies. I mean, yeah. 
They just spend so much money. And 80% of their profits are here in the United States. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a huge profitable type of area. They have a, a tremendous amount of influence in government. And I mean, it's uh, even though the FDA knows that structure function care is very important, there's such a, a uh, incest between the two groups, mm. is the way I like to put it, where so many people who were on uh, pharmaceutical boards are now ahead of the FDA, uh, and they look out for their best interests. Because if we truly got the uh, healthcare system where it needs to be, and one of the things is, uh, you know, there is a tremendous amount of profit in supplementation, uh, homeopathics and herbals. Uh, so, you know, there are ways to work out that uh, profitability could be uh, in, uh, in there, but the whole thing is that you can't patent them. Yeah. And when you can't patent them, then you can't keep the money all to yourself. There's competition. And right now, the pharmaceutical companies can operate in a uncompetitive type of a market and be able to make insane amount of profits. And uh, until we can kind of break that cycle along those lines, break the influence of the pharmaceutical companies on the decisions of healthcare, uh, even though everybody knows the answer, everybody knows what needs to be done and knows that it would be successful. Hmm. It's not happening. Now, there are a couple ways that you can do this to actually change this around. You can either get the legislature uh, to actually back you up, which has never happened in all this time, or you can get the public behind it because the public is the one who has the power. That's where we really need to work is getting the education out there being uh, offering something that we can and to actually meet the needs of what's happening and that's really one of the things that uh, you know i mean a doctor is called a teacher and uh, one of the things is i have a regular radio program with podcasts we try to put out as much information i think not only uh, healing people and having a practice that's doing that but also getting out there and educating is one of the major callings that we have to do and every single one of us who are dedicated to this really happening, uh, to see the changes that can take place in society and people's lives and the suffering that people have, that we can actually meet those needs and, and see, see the whole community change. Uh, we need to be passionate about it. We need to be out there telling people we need to be getting other doctors to, to be thinking along these lines, uh, not just thinking small. You know, how am I going to make my bills, which are all important? How am I going to send my kids through college? How am I going to retire? Those are things that are overpressing. But quite frankly, all of those things would come about if we had the passion and said, hey, we have a mission. We have a purpose. And my purpose is greater than myself. And that's what's going to carry me through. Wow, you know, and and this is this is why I wanted you on because uh, you know this 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 vision that you have and the purpose that you have and your willingness to take action. You know, it's people like you that will shift the needle. I mean, one of my my questions would be, you know, if I've looked at I was in practice for fifteen years, and I would suggest that over those fifteen years, 
I saw a movement in the right direction in that people were more open to, you know, natural health care and they asked better questions, you know, than when I started. But potentially in the last two years, have we oh. taken a step backwards? Yeah, it, well, actually, I've seen a tremendous amount of, uh, of an interest. Uh, I've seen more people who I've had people who were uh, well, medical doctors who were completely sold on uh, the, the model of healthcare have because of all the issues sit there and said, hmm, I'm not sure anymore. So it's actually you feel that what's happened over the last two years has maybe pushed the human race in the right direction. I think it's actually pushed in the right direction. As long as you have a, a top, which is even more entrenched into their system. Yeah. They're like, this is the way it's going to be. And then you have the masses who are saying, oh, I'm not quite sure. And the masses can always defeat the few. As long as the masses have leaders who can show them the way, the masses will always win. And it's basically whether the shepherds are going to step up and be willing to stand uh, before the sheep uh, uh, facing the wolves. <laughs> and are you going to are you going to have uh, I guess I can say the balls to do it. Yeah, for sure. And they will follow. They will follow if we sit there and push forward and do it with not our own interest in mind, but with their interest in mind. Mm. And, that, and that is probably one of the best keys. The, and my, my question would be then is, how can chiropractic as a profession, because from what we've spoken about today, it, it, it seems that the profession of chiropractic is a very likely candidate to be the leaders in structure and function. I mean, we live and breathe it. Um, so how do we become those leaders so that we get to a point where, where it's disease care, we've got the medical system, and where it's structure and function, we have chiropractors and other, you know, obviously health professionals as well. But how can chiropractic be seen as the leaders that they really should be, you know, based on our philosophy, our paradigm, and, and, and how we do things? Well, the, the, the interesting thing is that my grandfather, I've actually got his letters to B.J. Palmer. And the fight for chiropractic was in Illinois, which he was head of the group. And they had formed a group of 35 different professions who are basically structure function based, including nursing, which was part of it, osteopathy, all those different types of things. Uh, there was there was a huge number of them, and it's interesting. Chiropractic was the only one that survived without either being absorbed or destroyed. Mm. So we've got some strength. We have to know our history. So you need to know your history, you need to know your present situation, and you need to know what the future needs to look at like. You need past, present, and future. Seeing those clearly, you can, you can move forward and actually shape things the way that they should be. 
Wow. I mean, it's today's uh, conversation with you is has uh, has really been inspiring to me. I mean, it's to have somebody that um, has your knowledge, experience, but also the way you communicate. I mean, you communicate very clearly. You communicate with certainty. Um, and I, I mean, I'm of the opinion one of the best things a chiropractor can do is improve their ability to communicate. You know, clearly, authentically, um, and with certainty. We need to know that we are here to bring about homeostasis and how we can actually achieve that. And having that force behind us, that strength that our, our founders actually had. Yeah. Uh, that way we can, and also, again, it, it, pays off if we're not thinking about what is the best for me what is the best for my patients what is it that i can do for others because it's just like dr sweat sat me down and said uh, said robert you need to know who you're working for i sit there and i said well what do you mean he said, well, who, who are you are going to start a practice? Who are you going to work for? I said, well, you know, patients. He said, no, you don't want to work for the patients. The patients are all over the place. You don't want to work for the patients. You don't want to work for the insurance companies. You don't want to work for lawyers. He said there, he said, you work for God. Yeah. You work for God. And you always, God always knows what's true and right. He always judges you correctly. Other people won't. You can't depend upon other people's judgment. You have to just be clean before God, right before God, and God will pay you. He said, the money doesn't come from the insurance companies. The money doesn't come from some lawyer, uh, you know, making some deal. It doesn't come from the patients. It comes from God. And if wow. you're right with God, he's going to pay you. That's and so that's that's where we need to be we need to be working as a uh, as someone is watching over us who is in charge of everything and he says you're doing it right and with that type of an attitude we can't be stopped yeah wow now with that being said what is next for dr because uh, you know you are you have more energy than you know most docs I speak to that have just come into practice. Um, so I don't see you slowing down in terms of your <laughs> contribution to the world. So what is next? Because you are a doer. Um, yes. You're not gonna, you're not one of these people that would just stand on a soapbox. And uh, so what is next for you and for your mission while you're on this planet? Well, we're we're planning on starting other uh, offices. Uh, we're planning on helping other doctors to achieve what we what we do. I mean, that's a that's a big purpose. We're already uh, starting to meet with some. Uh, we're, I also want to be teaching the public. I'm writing books. Uh, I've actually got the got them in notebooks and and starting to get them ready. I've actually got 14 uh, books that I pretty well got written, but I haven't oh. gotten them all set. But we're going to start putting them out. Lecturing is the other big thing that I want to do. We're going to be promoting our podcasts, uh, which 
has a life of its own. Uh, we had someone look at it and found out we're in the top 10% of the podcasts in the world, uh, which we were surprised about. Uh, but, you know, when you put passion behind stuff, things just happen. That's uh, I would say that, uh, you know, uh, the thing that has been the success for me is just uh, just my desire and passion. Uh, I don't think that I have a whole lot more than anybody else. But uh, probably have, being sick like that put a passion in my life. It seemed at the time as the worst thing, but it, it probably turned out to be the best thing. Yeah, I was, so I was going to say that earlier, Nat, you know, I'm, I'm sorry you went through that with the, the vaccine injury, but the world uh, is going to be impacted in, in quite a significant way because you went through that, you know, sure. so, um, and, uh, but thank God that you took that, that experience and turned it into something so amazing. Um, Dr. Prather, this has uh, been fascinating, inspiring. Um, I, I knew it would be, but um, you've, uh, you've over-delivered. So, Thank you so much for your time. And um, I'm going to make sure as many doctors as possible connect and hear this message. Um, and uh, I'm going to be very interested to, to watch your journey going forward to, to help other doctors do something that you've done. Um, but thank you. I feel very privileged to have, have been able to, to speak with you today. Um, and uh, it's, uh, I've really enjoyed our time together. So thank you for everything that you do. Well, thank you. I I uh, enjoyed it myself, and it was a great time. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you uh, later, too. Okay, Dr. Prather, thank you so much. That's uh, We are done for today. Wow, what a conversation. I'm going to be thinking about this for a while, um, and I'm sure you will be, too. Um, but uh, goodbye, everybody. See you soon. All right. Bye.